March 30th, 2021. Welcome back into the bullpen. Joe and Tyler here this evening. Going around the horn real quick, um, just to go right back into it. Going around the horn, um, Tyler, and actually, unless you have anything to start off with, buddy. I didn't want to cut you off or anything. I mean, I can go if you want me to go. No, I didn't know if you had any 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 opening insight, oh. any opening Hi, everyone. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay, go ahead, Joe. All righty, then. Um, so, I believe this was um, last week. Last week. Uh, let's see. March 24th. So, yeah, this would be last week. Mm. Um, NFL referee Tim Peel was fired by the league. Um by getting caught on a hot mic saying, this was actually in the Nashville Predators game, um, getting caught on a hot mic. Wait, you said NFL? In a, NHL. NHL. Yeah. And it, that's hockey, <clears throat> people. <laughs> um, so the Predators were playing the Red Wings in Nashville. All right. Uh, it was a one nothing game early in the second period. Uh, this, this official called a penalty on the Predators. He comes back to the – in front of the – uh, penalty box and says and gets caught saying on a hot mic it wasn't much but I wanted to get an effing penalty against Nashville early, early in the period oh yeah this was on not only um, like something they had to dig up this was on the Nashville Predators broadcast wow yeah that uh, that they obviously so he messed up. Yeah, that they obviously were not able to to save him from that. But yeah, he was he was fired from the league. Um, I think two days after that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, two days after that, that he was fired. Released a statement. The NHL released a statement saying that Peel's Tim Peel is the is the official's name. Um, that his conduct was a contradiction of the league's principles. Um, obviously, keeping it fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how you. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, growing up in this area of the country, in this area of high school sports, even middle school sports, getting very bad umpires, and of course that's everywhere. Yeah. Umpires are bad. Period. Officials are bad. Period. But for one to come out and blatantly say that he wants. Ill will towards at another the, team. At the highest form of competition in that sport. Well, see, I've always thought about this. like, And I've thought about it more with like referee uh, or NFL refs. Like, you know, because they're in that profession, they like football. Which means that they have to have a favorite team. So... Is there like a secret file that says their favorite team? Are they allowed to not cheer for their favorite team? Yeah, like maybe when you or or are they not allowed to ref their favorite team? Like may, I was going to say maybe when you sign up for to be an official that you have to put down a favorite team and you're not even allowed to ref within that division of that team. Yeah. So like so like it's, again say my favorite team is the Vikings, and I and I'm wanting to be official. I can't I can't officiate any of the NFC North's. Yeah, because I want Aaron Rodgers to not do well. Yeah, even so. if, even if Aaron Rodgers is playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, I can't referee that game because you know. Right, <laughs> I and can, I've never noticed that being an it like yeah, 
But it has to happen. The NHL Senior Executive Vice President of Hockey Operations um, said in a statement that his conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials, that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve, and that is ensuring the integrity of our game. Will you read the quote for me again? To what he said? The official? Yeah. Um, so again, the game was one nothing. This was the penalty was called early in the second period. Okay, it's the game's one nothing at the time. Um, I believe they called a slash or a hook on on one of the Nashville's players. Right. Uh, and he said it, the the excuse me the quote says it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a effing penalty against Nashville early in the period um, <clears throat> to obviously be able for. Uh, hopefully, in his eyes, to get uh, Detroit an opportunity to tie the game up there early in the second. Um, I wasn't watching this game, so I don't know how it was going, but from what I've heard from a couple of different sources, uh, Nashville was taking control of the game, even though it wasn't, you know, yeah. two, three, four, nothing on the score on the, on the scoreboard. They were... They, they, take, they had the puck. They were taking control of the game pretty handily, um, and and I guess that's <laughs> that's why he thought he wanted to do that. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like you see it a lot sometimes. It's like a, a team's doing really good like that, and then all of a sudden, like they start getting penalties, and you're like, no way, mm-hmm. no way. Um, so the penalty was tripping uh, against Victor Arvidsson just under five minutes uh, into the second period. Um, and obviously it's not, the timing of it is not what's weird. Obviously the, the comment and the is what got him fired. Obviously, right. Because, I mean, there's penalties that can happen at any time in a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, the timing of it is not the issue. It's what he said, so. Well, even, like, I know in baseball a lot of times it never fails, dude. It, there's three balls, no strikes. The next pitch, if it's anywhere close, it's called a strike. Yeah. It's just, no, even if it's not, you know, it's just automatically. Or, uh, I don't know, if... if a team's up by a lot, or like let's say a, a player like Ronald Acuna, he's show offy and he shows up a lot of people, umpires, pitchers, whatever. You know, if he pimps something or whatever, I mean, we've seen Ronald Acuna have to step back in the box because umpires have called a strike when it's clearly a ball and he's walking the first. Yeah. You know, I feel like that stuff happens a lot. Just in every sport. Yeah, and then as far as baseball is concerned, after that happens, the umpire's like, oh, you're showing me up. I'm going to take that and turn it right. turn, turn it a literal a literal ball that's not even close to a strike zone to be a strike just because of that. And so that's another... So they're f- making it more I, about them and not about the game. Right, and that's what's happening here. So that's another form of, I guess, the human element of the game, of any game really, that they can literally just have the game in their hands at any point in time mm-hmm. and can 
um, dictate the outcome if they if they want to. Right, and there there's plenty of people that don't need that kind of power. I mean, yeah, bless his heart, Joe West is bad at that. <laughs> Joe West don't care. He wants to make a game about himself a lot. We've had umpires growing up that have tried to make it about themselves won't let you step out of the box and stuff like that just because they want to be known that they're there. Yeah. And to be honest, it's like, dude, your job is to call balls and strikes, outs or hits or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not to... We shouldn't know you're in the game. The... 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 Mm -hmm. uh, Telltale sign of a good umpire referee is that... You shouldn't know that they're there. You know? Yeah. Well, there should be no reason to know Angel Hernandez's name, but I know it because he's an awful umpire. C.B. Buckner. C.B. Buckner. Joe West. <laughs> Joe West isn't as bad, but he's made some pretty questionable calls. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, I wanted to go a little bit behind enemy lines right here and talk about a little bit of Georgia football. Uh, I know our audience is uh, going to be mainly Tennessee, uh, maybe even a Florida fan in there uh, from Virginia. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Georgia football. Uh, breaking news is George Pickens is out right now. Maybe not for the season because it's so early. He uh, tore his ACL. Um, Kirby Smart did come out and talk about uh, that Pickens might be able to come back before the season is over. And we've seen it before with uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson. Of course, his was sort of a superhuman-like recovery and came back and played. I don't understand how he done that. And he came back, so he injured his knee the March 25th of last year and then had surgery, everything, and was playing for Clemson in week two. And we've seen other people, like Adrian Peterson's done that. And, yeah. But, you know, so it's not saying that George Pickens is going to do that, and we're not expecting him to. But another thing you got to think about, that's on his mind right now is, well, does he just not come back and go to the NFL? In my opinion, I think, of course, selfishly as a fan, I'd like to see him stay. Uh, I think he could do a lot better in the draft if he stayed another year. But, you know, it he does have to sit down and think, you know, if I do get hurt really bad another time, it could jeopardize all of that, all of the NFL. Even if he doesn't get paid as much at the very beginning, you know, it could jeopardize the million dollars. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit. Uh, Jermaine Burton, too. Uh, breaking news today. Uh, we were recording this March 30th. 
uh, Jermaine Burton has a uh, lower leg injury. At this time, we don't exactly know what it is. Um, but that's another big wide receiver that George is losing in a year that they were really hoping to have a good offensive year. Um, and well, it's it it's not like you said. It's way too early to say that you're not going to have a a good offense. Yeah, um, but oh, yeah. we were talking the other day, and the one thing about losing George Pickens, which it does suck, and the thing is, is we have other good receivers, but none like George Pickens. You know that right. big bodied type, go up and get it type guy. Um. There is one name, and it has slipped my mind right now. Yeah, George Pickens is six three two hundred as a wide receiver. So, and he's is, got hands like an absolute. That um, is that is a man. That's a huge wide receiver, a huge weapon for him. That's not there. Um, you said Jermaine Burton, correct? Yeah, he's a. He's smaller, but the man is really good. He had a huge game against Mississippi State last year, and he's got he's planning to be a big producer uh, coming up this season. Uh, the receiver I was trying to think about is Justin Robin Robinson. He will be a sophomore. So, excuse me, redshirt freshman this year. Uh, but the reason I bring him up, and he's young and he has no experience, but the reason I bring him up is because we were looking for that big-bodied type of receiver, and Justin Robinson, as young as he is, is 6'4", 220 pounds. Uh, well, Jermaine Burton is six foot 200. Yeah. So he's also pretty darn a pretty, pretty big body. Um, yeah. I mean, and we got guys like Dominic Blaylock, who's six one, two o five. Curious Jackson, speedster Curious Jackson. Yeah, uh, he's not nearly as tall, but he's pretty thick. Uh, he's six foot, two hundred pounds. Uh, and then the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Arian Smith. Not too many people know his name right now. Six foot, one hundred eighty five pounds, and the man can run. Like the wind bullseye, I mean, run, run by you, Louisiana. Uh, yeah, by you. But <laughs> um, I wanted to talk real quick about knee injuries at Georgia, um, because it does suck. You know, we have Pickens injured and a non-contact injury too, uh, very similar, I guess, to Zamir White, and he's had it happen twice. Uh, but, of course, we've had throwing it back all the way to Todd Gurley getting hurt. Then you had Nick Chubb getting hurt against Tennessee. Um, and then, of course, Dominic Blaylock's had it happen twice. And I'm going to name the next guys that I name are in this in the Kirby Smart era more so. So Dominic Blaylock's had it happen twice. Marcus Rosemary Jackson is not a knee injury, and it was a freak injury against Florida. Uh, but that's another injury there that hurts. 
of course, Pickens, now Burton, uh, and, I, of course, I've said Zamir White. We've had little things here and there, people getting hurt. Uh, I wanted to bring this up that uh, we recently got Scott Cochran from Alabama, who was the strength coach at Alabama, and now he is our special teams coordinator. Um, the one thing about Scott Cochran that a lot of people said was, of course, he's fiery and everything, and but for some reason, when he was a strength coach at Alabama, it was known that he had a lot of soft tissue injuries on his roster when he was at Alabama, which is very interesting seeing that now in this last little bit, we have a lot of ACLs gone. Yeah. I mean, Blaylock's had it happen twice. And, you know, it's – they are sort of freak accidents, but – Well, especially the non-contact injuries. Yeah, the non-contact injuries are sort of like they, – they, they throw up a red flag. But – Well, like you said, it's – it hurts, especially with Pickens, but when you are Georgia and you have that deep of a receiver room, it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as it could have. Yeah. Um, so, because like you said, you have uh, Blaylock, you have uh, Kyrus Jackson, you have the other guy you were talking about, um, the last guy. Uh, Arian Smith. Arian Smith. We also have Demetrius Robertson, who has never really come into his own at Georgia, but he shows promise. He yeah. wants to. So I mean, between those, between those guys, you all, I think you all would be fine. And plus, you didn't even mention your your tight end. Big O. Exactly. Um, what Darnell Washington? Darnell Washington. Thank you. Let's see. Uh, he's six seven, two hundred and sixty five pounds. Exactly, and as a sophomore, yeah, that's that is a manimal, and that again, add him to that list of guys, and I, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it does suck for both of those guys to be able just to have to go through that, whether they play this year or not. Yeah, um, it sucks for them to have to go through that. Yeah. Staying in college but shifting sports, um, an update on the men's basketball tournament. We are uh, playing the last game of the Elite Eight right now, Michigan and UCLA, just now tipping off. Um, Gonzaga has won, uh, beaten USC um, by a final score of 85-66. to 66. Um, As I've been watching Gonzaga throughout this tournament, it's clear, obviously, as it was through the entire season, it's clear that Gonzaga is the best offense in the country, hands down. I mean, just alone, just in this tournament alone, Gonzaga has put up 98, 87, 83, 85, and then, uh, excuse me, tonight, 85 against USC. USC has one of the best defenses in the country, they are one of the best defensive teams in the country, um, alongside a, a Baylor, a, uh, a Syracuse, maybe a Houston, definitely. <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting to see who they face. 
uh, number one in the Final Four with Michigan and UCLA playing, but also uh, in the national championship uh, if they they make it that far. Um, Baylor and Houston um, have already punched their tickets into the Final Four at this point. Mm. The uh, first time in, I think, since like 1970-ish that two teams from the state of Texas are in the Final Four. Um, that is something interesting. Um, Oral Roberts gave a, gave it a good run. Oh yeah, all the way into the Sweet Sixteen and came up uh, one three short of beating Arkansas in the Sweet Sixteen. I was sad that Arkansas lost against Baylor too. Yeah, uh, I was yeah, I was kind of pulling for Arkansas, um, but Baylor was in it or is in my Final Four, and uh, I'm kind of happy that they won. But I'm sad actually that UCLA beat Alabama. Um, I had Alabama in in my final four. Um, so right now, three of my four um, are are still uh, in it, still still going. But um, yeah, this is uh, like overall again, as we talked last last episode, this has been one of the better tournaments I think of of our, I guess, lifetime following sports, I guess, air quotes, you know, mm. whatever, however you want to phrase that. And I didn't even make a bracket. I, right. I mean, it's it's easy to say that because we didn't have it last year, but it's also easy to say that when you have North Texas um, winning a game and getting the, to the second round. You have Oral Roberts getting to the Sweet 16 <clears throat> on the other side, Loyola done well. Loyola got to the Sweet 16 before Oregon State beat them. Oregon State got to the Elite Eight against Houston. Um, Abilene Christian won a game and got to the second round. UCLA has gotten hot at the right time and is playing in the Elite Eight right now. Um, and all of these, all of these teams are double-digit seeds. Ohio beat Virginia in the first round. I mean, this has been one of the most intriguing tournaments, in my opinion. Um, yes. Because you, because you had teams like uh, Purdue playing North Texas. I, I didn't watch the game. Um, I wish I would have, but I just don't know how a Purdue, a Big Ten Purdue team gets beat by North Texas there. Um, just in, like in that. In the first yeah. round. In the first round. Just like that. You're right. I mean, they did score more than the other team, so I yes. guess I guess that's why. But, I mean, and Oral Roberts. I get it. again. We can go back to what we said last episode, saying that it's a lot of senior leadership, and and then I'm sure that's part of it. But the other part of it is getting hot at the right time, mm-hmm. and and being able to play the right game at the right time. Defense typically in the tournament, defense wins you ball games in the tournament. In the regular season. Your offense can carry you a lot, um, but in in the tournament, usually defense wins you games. Unless you're Gonzaga, maybe, and you're able to put up eighty to eighty five a game, um, that might be able to carry you uh, a long way through through the tournament. But yeah, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update on the tournament. Um, Again, there's only again there's the last uh, game in the in the Elite Eight left, Michigan and UCLA. If I had to pick the, just this game on how the tournament has gone so far for each of these teams, I'm probably going to have to take Michigan. 
Um, Michigan's only close game was against LSU, 86-78 to in the second round. They throttled Florida State. Uh, and, they, of course, they, they beat uh, Texas Southern by about 14 or 15. Um, UCLA, on the other hand, I mean, they beat Bama by 10. They beat Abilene Christian by 20 and beat BYU by 11. Um, and, and they've just gotten hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and who did they – they beat UC, uh, Michigan State by six in the first four. So maybe they can make it to the final four. I, and I could be wrong. But if UCLA does get to the Final Four, that could be the first team from the first four to make it into the Final Four. I could be wrong there, but just wanted to throw that throw that idea out there. Yeah. Well, let's shift into fourth gear here. Um, and I'm going to bring up some opening day action. Woo! Because it is here. Finally. The Braves, I know, played their last spring training game today on the 30th. And spring training shall commence to be over. And then real baseball starts. It all counts after this. So let me ask you, Joe. I've got a couple couple questions here. Okay. Should opening day be a national holiday? Oh, 100%. Give me your reason. I mean, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament where you have a lot of games televised um, from ESPN to Fox um, to your to even your uh, your local stations. Obviously, obviously, your local stations are going to be covering them anyway. Mm-hmm. But from those three uh, channels, I guess you could say. You're going to have baseball on from 12 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament where that first day is is so huge for, for ratings, for, I guess, in baseball's case, in hype, for hype reasons, um, for marketing reasons. And so, I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if it was a national holiday, it would be because of marketing reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think it should be a national holiday. Uh, it's America's pastime, and I mean, it's just something, especially after all this COVID, something that could really let America set back, breathe. And just watch a baseball game. You know how many people that I've talked to, and we've talked about this before, they don't really like watching baseball on TV, but they love going to a game. And, you know, how am I going to go to a game in Atlanta if it's at 12 o'clock? You know, because I live in Johnson City, Tennessee. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'd like to be able to watch the game. I don't know what time the first game is. But well, the Braves come on in the afternoon. Now that's that. good. Um, yeah, so if you're working, you may not be able to watch it. Yeah, no. um, I'll I'll get updates on my on my wristwatch here. Um, well, do you have any opening day memories that stick out to you? Memories. Um, 
Not that I can think of. See, I had to really, I, I had to search to think about my memories, to be honest. <laughs> you had to search for your memories. Yes, huh? I did. <laughs> I had to tap in. Three, 305, by the way. 305. I'm going to just ask off early, I guess. <laughs> um, just kidding, Joe. Um, but, uh, so, in 2010, so that seems like a while ago, right? It's a decade ago. But I remember this. Go ahead. I remember this. A young man, rookie, new right fielder, and I was mad. I was mad that he was in right field. Because <laughs> my favorite player of all time was Jeff Francoeur. He was oh, the man. man. Number seven. I do. I, Jeff now, Francoeur. Okay. And yeah. he was no longer playing for the Braves, or at least not in right field anymore. I remember... Of course, we were in middle school. We were. I was. I don't know about you, but I was playing a game. Um, I'm in the dugout, and, and Dad comes up to me and says, "The new, or, my, or even might have been after the game." And Dad says that the new, the new player, the new rookie, or whoever for the Braves uh, hit a home run in his first at bat. And I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, Jason Hayward steps up to the plate in his very first at bat in the major leagues. And hits a home run. And ever since then, he was a Braves legend, in my opinion. And I then, think, I mean, Jason Hayward is a really big Braves name. I, and then Chip Carey can, um, goes on to call one of the, in my opinion, one of the best home run calls um, ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. I love Chip Carey. Uh, it was off a of Carlos Zambrano fastball. Who didn't hit on a, his first swing in the majors? Who didn't hit a Carlos Zambrano fastball? Yeah, <laughs> Oof. for oh. a three-run home run over the right field wall at Turner Field, he went two for five in all four RBIs in the in the sixteenth. Wait. It says he went two for five in all with four RBIs and a 16-5 to five win. Mm. They worded that really weird. But that was one of my memories that stuck out to me the most. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm old enough to remember... Like 2007, Edgar Renneria and those kind of guys, they were talking about it on this article. Uh, Derek Lowe, I remember him um, pitching for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pointed out in 2013, uh, Freddie Freeman had his most productive season opener. Uh, he went three for four. With three RBIs and a seven to five win against the Phillies, but I just I know that opening day has always just sort of been like the start to summer, you know, the just laid back. I loved I I I would always come home, you know, the sun's still up at seven o'clock. Would turn on 
Fox Sports, you know, Fox Sports South, whatever. Yeah. And you'd sit there and you'd look at that beautiful field at Turner or SunTrust or now what is truest and, you know, just watch your favorite team play and I don't know. There's just something about it. And I like to not really miss a Braves game. That's just sort of what we do. That's what's on in the evenings in the DePriest household. Like, it's just Braves baseball. And, you know, some sometimes I don't watch every pitch, but, you know, it's always on in the background. Or, you know, if it's a big game I'm watching or – you know, a really good pitcher I'm watching, but it's always on, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Um, if, for me, if I'm not watching it, I'm listening to it, um, because I, my TV may not be able to pick it, pick the, the game up on the certain channel that it's on that night, but um, I'm certainly listening to it on the MLB app, um, as well as other games. I'm... I'm just a big, a huge baseball mm. fan. And so if the Dodgers are playing the Padres, I'm going to tune in late at night to to Ted and Jesse on the Padres broadcast. See, that's what it is sort of tough for me to watch other teams. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just because I have more of a personal connection with my own team. Like, like when I'm watching, I even can pick up their tendencies. Like, I'm like, why are you putting Luke Jackson in to close? This man isn't going to close. Like, he's just yeah. awesome at setup. But, you know, or, like, I picked up on the Dansby with runners on. Dansby with runners on, Will, he's clutch. And no, nobody really talks about it because it's not really a stat you really follow. But when you watch it enough, you're like, oh, Dansby's got another hit with runners on. Yeah. You know. Or just little things like that, like, oh, man, this guy ain't going to be able to do this because of this, or, you know. It might be a little superstition, but at the same time, it just proves over and over and over again. Well, it, it's not a little superstitious if it keeps happening. Yeah. That's 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 just not a... And that I think that tells you how much of the game is mental, too, because, I mean, like, with Julio Tehran, man, like... A lot of times, yeah. Or like, dude, you I could do it every time with Mike Fultonevich. Every time. I mean, he could be up on the mound and he starts pitching and I could tell by, by his velo, just his body language. Body language yeah. And I was like, okay, he's going to have a good game. Okay, he's not going to have a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Nukem can do it every time with Newcomb. Cause, and I noticed this when he's in the bullpen. He doesn't do this, and I don't know why. Newcomb, you can see it in his face. The man, like, if he's going to have a good game, he looks pissed off. He looks mean. And he looked like that every time out of the bullpen. But sometimes when he's starting, especially in big games, his eyes are huge. And he looks like he pooped himself. I'm not kidding. This man looks like, oh no, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna, oh my gosh, I'm trying to throw a curveball, but it's not getting over. And it's like, dude, just like be a pitcher. So, do you think part of that is 
him mentally fixating on trying to go nine innings versus two? Maybe. I know that happens a lot of times with guys, you know. And, and like I mentioned, the Luke Jackson thing. Luke Jackson is ended up being a pretty good pitcher uh, in the past year and a half. Uh, but it's because he sort of found his niche. If if he's in a setup role or in a specialty role, he's good, man. He goes out there and does what he needs to do. Yeah. But you put him out there to close and or he can't do it. And it's not because he doesn't possess the ability. It's just his mental capacity to do it is not there. If you put him in the close or if you give him a big lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've noticed. Well, like uh, Chris Martin, him too. Chris Martin, for whatever reason, uh, what was the other uh, Smith? Not Will Smith. Um, yeah, I think it was Will Smith gave up a lot of home runs last year. Oh, he did. He did last year. But it was there weird was, there because again because he's, he's a ground ball pitcher. Yeah, but it was weird there again. It was those tendencies that just happened. It's like you put him in. In a tight situation, and you're like, no, don't put him in right here because he's been giving up home runs. Yeah. Quack, home run. Yeah. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. You know these tendencies. But I know we sort of dove into that a little bit. But that's just examples of, you know, it does I take a personal uh, rec- recognition. Recognition? Recognition. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so just real quick to go on Will Smith. You got slider, fastball, cutter. Maybe he was using too much of the fastball. Um, Maybe he was going going too flat with his stuff. I was going to say maybe he was going too much slider early. That puts you behind in the count if you don't locate the slider early. Um, and then you're throwing more fastballs and hitters counts. Maybe you're doing that. I don't know. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what I don't know what he was doing, but I do know he gave up a lot more home runs last year. Yeah, a four four point five ERA in sixteen innings. Um, so yeah, continue. But, yeah, that's that's basically what I was just trying to say was uh, because. I do watch the Braves a lot, and it's a real personal to me. It's hard to really get in on watching other teams. Like I think it's cool. Like I, I like watching Tatis, and I like you know I like watching those guys. But it's hard for me to sit and watch a team that I'm not invested in as well. Oh, I'll I'll watch the Padres all day. We could even the last two years. I'll I'll watch them because they're just intriguing to me. Yeah. They're just a fun team to watch. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of another team that – the Giants aren't obviously as good, but they're kind of intriguing. But I don't know that I would sit there and watch a Giants game if they're not if they're not playing the Braves. I would watch the Ustremski bat. Yeah. But um, – If it's a really good pitcher matchup, I like it. Um yeah, rain uh not Rangers, uh Mariners yeah. eh, kind of. If I'm in a if I'm in the right mood, I'll sit there and pick apart a game. Yeah. You know. I'll sit there and be like, Oh, 
he left that up, or, oh, he should have thrown this. Oh, he's coming with this next. Oh, it, you know. Yeah. No doubt. But, anyways, do we want, do you have more to talk about on this? Or did you have any more questions? No, that was it. Well, okay, so what, um, as far as the season is concerned, what are you kind of just kind of looking for? One, looking forward to, but also just looking forward in the season as a whole from, from baseball. I'm looking, uh, and this is sort of an a, a answer that I feel like a lot of people are giving, but getting back to a little bit of normality in this, you know, a longer season, we're going to, you know, we're going to have fans in the stands, we're going to eventually, I think, get to 100% capacity because, I mean, everybody is getting vaccinated and everything like that. Uh, I don't know how much the masks will last uh, when it's 100 degrees in Atlanta or L.A., but... Yeah. Uh, so there's, right now, in, as far as I know, in mm-hmm. around Major League Baseball, as far as I know, right now, around Major League Baseball... Um, they're sitting people in pods. So, like, just small sections around the ballpark, um, they're seating people. That's how they're seating people. Um, I don't know how, how big the pods are. I don't know if it's, like, a five-by-five five section or a whole section wide, but only, like, three or four rows. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, back back to a little bit of n- normality, normalcy. Yeah. Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, you know, last year where we did have a shorter season. I don't know. I feel like a lot of – it was cool to see a lot of teams like – the Marlins do good or something like that. But I think this year you'll see more back to normal. I don't think teams like the Marlins will get a chance to do that unless they do something with their roster. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll actually get to see the best of the best at the end of the season uh, play. Uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited – for a little bit of uh, new things, too, like the Padres actually being uh, contenders in the West. Uh, for the longest time, it's just been the Dodgers. And the Dodgers were going to win the division, and that's all that was going to happen. Yeah, Dodgers-Giants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but even the Giants, you know, that was a while ago. Well, I mean, on even years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Um, so I'm, I'm like you said, I'm looking forward to just getting back to baseball, getting back to to normal, I guess habits uh, for me. Um, normal, I guess, the normal things in baseball. Like I know the the seven inning double headers are gonna are still gonna be a thing. I like that. It's not it's not terrible. I can live with that. Um, uh, DH is going to stay in the American League for another year. I'm okay with that as well. I, I mean, I like the pitcher hitting. I prefer the pitcher to hit 
which is again another thing they're looking forward but, to. But but I do I do enjoy them splitting though, like the AL and NL being a little bit different because right. you get two different brands of baseball. Yeah, and right. fans can choose which they like better. Not only that, when you get in the postseason play and in the World Series, that forces the American League team to hit their pitcher. Right. Obviously, or, obviously the National League team's doing the same, but you know, one of the biggest arguments for it for the DH in both leagues is oh well you might get the pitcher hurt. As far as the World Series is concerned, that goes for both sides. You know? Well, like I seen the other day, I was watching the spring training game, the Dodger spring training game, and uh, uh, David Price came up to bat. Yeah. And the man was having fun with it, and he got a hit. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's fun. It also, uh, taking the fun out of it, you know, if you just take that away, uh, batting a pitcher, in my opinion, is it puts more strategy into the game, which I enjoy because baseball is a very strategic game. And, you know, like, I know this is sort of a stupid comparison, but even playing the show, uh, MLB The Show, and if I've got a team that's got a DH, it's not as fun for me because I don't get to switch out and switch, you know, okay, I'm bringing in a pitcher, so now i got a bat for the pitcher. Okay, now he's on, but he's a big, fat first baseman, so let me run for him because we're late innings. And, you know, it, it gets into all that mm-hmm. little stuff. And uh, with, with a DH, you don't really get that. And I, it makes it more boring to me what you're gaining in what could be hits you're losing in the strategy of the game so like you just said what you're losing in hits in and in, in quote unquote action for the game right you're possibly gaining in hits so as far as the game in baseball itself like people not liking to watch uh, the game on TV, really, sometimes even in person, you know, there's a lot of people on their phones, right? Yeah. So what is one thing that football has that that baseball does not? I mean, there's a lot that football has that baseball doesn't. <laughs> the biggest thing, and that's that's action on every play. Yeah. Football, there's... Obviously, there's action on every Well, and bringing that up, you know, if you're sitting there on your phone and, you know, since we're talking about the DH and you realize that, okay, it's the fifth inning, the pitcher got tired, which he should have went farther than the fifth inning, but now we've got a bat for him, it's in the ninth, and you got a runner on first and one out, but we're trying to score, and you're like, oh, crap, the pitcher's not batting. You know, this isn't just a give me out. You know, we... You know, something happened. To me, that's action. Yeah. You know, something just happened, which is a roster change, a move that, you know, a chess piece is played. It might not be a hit or whatever, a big play, but something just happened in that game, and I feel like that calls attention because when you see people move in and out of the roster, in and out of the lineup, 
I feel like that calls attention. That is action to me because, like we've said, it, it's it's chess pieces at that point. It is, but I, just to the casual fan, that's one may not be something that they're thinking of, but two may not, may not be something that they really understand, right? Yeah. So, so action is is needed in baseball because speeding the game up that's not going to help anything. Hmm. Making the bags bigger not going to help anything. Putting a runner on second base in in extra innings. Not going to help anything, right? No, we've done it's, that. It's action, ball. exactly. It's action, and that's and so maybe it, this what they've done with the baseball to deaden it just a little bit, lower the lower the seams a little bit. Maybe this this helps um, get the ball in play more rather than going over the fence, right? Yeah. Because home runs, what I don't care what you say, home runs do not help the game of baseball. No, because when you're when you've got one through eight in the lineup, that's either a home run or a strikeout. There's no action in between. Nope. None. A ball, a ball in play provides whether it's an whether it's an a ground routine ground ball to second base, or it's a double in the gap provides the same amount of action, right? That those two provide well, the same amount like, of action versus a strikeout that does not provide any. Right. Well, and like you see, like the teams that win the World Series, how do they win the World Series? Because they scrap and they fight. And ultimately, I know like the Dodgers are a big hitting team, but ultimately they revert back to a little bit of small ball. Get them on, get them over, get them in. They might not be bunting or whatever, but, you know, they're not up there hacking away. Like I've had plenty of people tell me, oh, the Yankees are going to win the World Series. They're not. You know why? Because they're trying to hit it over the fence every time. Mm-hmm. You can't win the World Series when you've got eight Gary Sanchez's that are batting two hundred. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can hit it a long ways, but like you said, it's a home run, and then okay, three strikeouts. Yep. As a pitcher, if I give up a single home run, I'm like, well, okay, cool. It was one run. Yeah. You know, now if I give up a hit and then, you know, ultimately he draws a walk and then a little bloop and then, you know, there's an error and then they bunt and then it's it builds up and that's action like you were talking about. And that's small ball. That's just get them on, get them over, get them in, which is... Which is ultimately the formula to win baseball games. Yeah. And to my to my point real quick before we move on, for in the Braves case, would you rather like to see Ronald Acuna sting a ball to right field for a base hit, right? He's on first base. Would you rather and would you rather him see see him do that and then he's on first base, he's still second, and then Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, whoever hits a double in a gap and drive him in, or you want to see him strike out? Oh, yeah. Or, well, or excuse and, me, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Excuse me. Do you want to see him hit one home run his first at bat, then strike out his next two? No. Yeah. And see, like, let's say two. Let's say uh, there's one out, and Acuna's up to bat. He hits a home run. Okay, cool. Now Freddie's up. Freddie gets a hit. But then, okay, Ozzy grounds into a double play. It's like, oh, shit. You know, that 
nothing happened. We scored one run. Yeah. That's cool, but, you know, it's just it never really picks up. That's not action, like you said. It just something that could have been. Yeah. And I feel like we're falling into a lot of that in baseball right now. It's just something that could have been. Yeah. Leaving runners on. You know, not getting, you know, okay, that guy got a hit, but now your next guy struck out, and then your next guy grounds out. He got him over, but now there's two outs, and there's a guy on third, but there's two outs, so even a fly ball in the outfield doesn't uh, score him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, real quick, just for something that I want that I'm personally looking to see, are these new new look ball clubs? Um, mm-hmm. How they do the Mariners, White Sox, um, Twins, even Blue Jays, and um, Nationals, even like Nationals are a um, or excuse me the Mets as well, but the Nationals are kind of a, a weird team where I think they could be third or like bottom you know second third fourth fifth yeah um depending on how their their um season goes how you know how different guys perform but just just how the new look teams around the league those those teams that went out and spent through free agency mm-hmm. i want to see how they do especially the first half of the season but right and, and maybe this goes into our next segment real, real here real quick maybe this snowballs into it um kind of we're gonna. We've got three. Each of us has three teams. All right. Um, this is gonna be our contenders, pretenders segment. Each of us have three teams that we're going to um, ask the the other about and see who they th- if they think they they are a contender for the playoffs or are they just a pretender uh, in the season. All right. So Ty, do you want to go? Starts off. I do, and I have the National League, and Joe has the American League. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so three again, three teams each. Tyler has three teams from the National League. I have three teams from the American League. Well, let's just bank off a little bit of what you just talked about. Do you think that the Washington Nationals are a contender, contender or a pretender? They've um, been a quote contender for the past ten years evidently, but they've only they did win a World Series out of the blue somehow. I don't know. But. Yeah. So for me, in my opinion, right now on March thirtieth, before the season starts, they are a they are a pretender. Just by looking at some of the guys that they picked up, uh Kyle Schwarber being one of them, they're the same type of guys we were just talking about. It's a home runner to strike out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the kind of guys that they had. Did they get Josh Bell? They got they Josh did. Bell. They did. That's a good first baseman. But, the, but those aren't the type of guys that they had during that World Series run. Mm. Um, and so I think that's going to hurt them in the long run over the season. Yeah. I, I I don't see it, dude. The division's just so tough. I think they're a pretender as well. Yeah. Okay. My first team, the Seattle Mariners, contender or pretender? Mm, I think I want them to be a contender, but I'm gonna say pretender. Okay. I I don't know. I just I think they could sort of push early in the season, but when it comes down to it, they'll probably be like ten games back. Yeah, and that's fair. And, and for the for that division, ten games could be anywhere from second place to. 
to fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at some of their um, what am I thinking of? Uh, additions, excuse me, to the to the team from last year. Um, honestly, it's not really a whole lot. It's Kyle Lewis in the outfield. They should be getting Kyle Seeger back from injury. Uh, J.P. Crawford from the Phillies. Um, those are just a couple of the guys. James Paxton. So, I mean, you know, it's – I'll probably say the same thing. Yeah. Just because the American League is going to be so top-heavy in that second uh, for that wild card spot. All right, so I'm up. Uh, yeah. I've got – the New York Mets. Um, <clears throat> for me, they're a contender. I, you know, when we did our NL East prediction, uh, I had them at, in second place, yeah, getting one of the wild card spots in the National League. So I'm, I'm gonna stick with that. I think they are a contender for for the postseason. Um, I just think they have too much talent on that team to not. Uh, one through nine, and then one through five in the rotation. I really do think they have too much talent to not be a, a contender for the playoffs. I I'm sort of in the middle a little bit on this because yeah, they do have talent, but it's it's very it's a young relationship with all their talent. I feel like just like with some of the guys that they've brought in, you know, they might not mesh well uh in their first year. Um I'm I'm gonna probably whiff hard, but I'm gonna say pretender on that. Wow, okay. Yeah. I know and I know where I put them in nothing in my ranking, but yeah, I I just it if something's too good to be true at some point, it is too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. And, and the way I also looked at it is, are the Phillies better than the Mets? I, I we, don't know. We we don't really know, but on paper, no. Yeah. Same thing with the Nationals and the Marlins. That's what I'm saying. It could be so, a toss-up. Yeah. That's the way I looked at it anyway. Yeah. All right. My second team is the... Cleveland Indians, uh, contender or pretender for you? Pretender. I'm I'm being pretty harsh right here, but no, I I I pretty much agree. I mean, if you look at the I mean, I don't think I've said anybody's a contender yet. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if you look at my prediction, I have them third um, in the uh, central there. So that's, I mean, that's that would be out of the playoffs. So I I would kind of tend to agree there, pretender for the Cleveland Indians. They just they're just losing so much. So I I don't know. I don't see anybody that's going to help. I think they might the trade uh, Jose before the end of the season. Too. I could see it as well. Um, I'm going to go to the Central. The Brewers. I feel like this one's a little bit tougher. Yeah, they're a contender. I think so. I think that lineup's way too good to not be uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the only thing that is sort of on the fence is the West is so good and the East is so good 
it's still going to be hard for them to contend, but I think they'll be in the mix at least to the end. So you've got the the Padres pretty much definitely going to be and you know, if they don't win the win the division, they're going to be in the wild card. Maybe. Um maybe. Um we don't know that. Then you look in the east, you have the Mets Phillies, you know, there for the second spot. So Again, like you said, they could definitely uh, be out of it, but in contention. So, yeah, I'll say, again, I'll say contender. Uh-huh. Um, so, for my third team, the Tampa Bay Rays. Contender or pretender? Pretender. They're, they've lost too much, I think. Oh, I mean, they they lost Blake Snell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Who else have they lost? Oh, I don't have a list of them right now, Joe. I don't know. Um, Blake Snell is a lot to lose, though. You're right, yeah. He is. Um, honestly, I think they might have gotten Chris Archer back. Yeah, but... I could be wrong about that, but again... Chris I, Archer's that, also yeah. not had... Yeah, I'm not saying that that's going to, you know, that's the one piece they needed. I'm just saying that's just something interesting. Um I have them as a contender, even though I it'll be interesting third. because, I mean, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, I guess, are going to be decent this year. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to be a contender, but for the playoffs, yeah, I think they're missing a few things, and like I said, I think they're really new to each other. Okay, so you're saying, well, hang on, we'll get into that later. Okay. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of something, the contender, pretender, what we just kind of thought of as we were thinking about the episode episode today and just kind of threw that together. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So we want to dive into our last installment of the predictions for MLB. Yeah, to wrap up the show, to wrap up our... Um, MLB uh, preview of the season and of the standings. We go to the uh, West Division in both the National League and American League. Um, we'll first we'll first start off with the American League. I feel like it's um, the easiest, or probably even the less the, con- the less controversy mm. of the two. Um, and so yeah, we'll start there. Um, my number one team, Houston Astros. Um. Yeah. I'm going to have to differ with you. I have the Houston Astros. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of the way that uh, that I think it's going to go for for the year. I think it's going to be the Astros and then really everybody else. I could be wrong on that, but I don't really see the, the Mariners uh, or the Athletics making a big push um, against the, the Astros for that top spot. Yeah, uh, like I say, this division was sort of like, I was looking at it, and I was like, all right, who's going to be number one? And I was like, nah, no, not them. No, not them. Well, none of them. None of them's going to be. So then I, I don't know. I just felt like they've got some good names, just not teams that have been real good. 
as of late. And the Astros haven't been good as of late. They have, but they've also, you know, just had stuff that's not been in their favor as well. Um, and that, I mean, it was, it did make it easy to sort of pick the Astros, like you said. The Athletics, I think, are going to be decent, but they're not going to be good enough. Um, they're only losing George Springer. Yeah. Which is a big piece, but... But not a huge... I mean, he's he's a really good player, but... Yeah. You know. He's not the whole team. No. They're, they're still going to have a pretty dang good lineup, one through seven. Um, and even eight and nine are going to be hard outs. Um... Your rotation is going to look something like Grinky, McCullers, Odorizzi. Um, I like McCullers a lot. Uh, Jose Arquiti, who's a really good young pitcher. So it's going to look you know Wait, similar. Did you to say that. Verlander? Mm-mm. Is Verlander not there? Verlander's not on the roster. He could be injured. Injured. Yes. Um, let me try to see if I can't find that. But, uh, but yeah, that's who I have number one, or who we both have number one. Yeah. Number two, I have the Oakland Athletics. Uh, I don't know. I just felt like they could be a team that sort of just snuck in there at number two. Uh, like I said, I felt like this division was sort of a, a toss-up a lot with some of these uh Teams, but I felt like Oakland could be there at number two at the end of the season. I don't know if they'll be real close to the Astros, but I think they could be there at number two. Okay, so we we do differ here at number two. I have the Seattle Mariners. Okay. Um, I think the AL West is going to be a lot different than really every other division that I've talked about and I've predicted, and whereas... I look at the AL West and I think, wow, it's it's going to be determined by lineups rather than pitching um, that I've that I've been talking about. And if you look at the Mariners lineup, it doesn't look like they have a whole lot of guys. Mm. But it's guys like Evan White, Kyle Seeger, J.P. Crawford, and Shed Long on the infield for the Mariners. That are Shed Long's good. That are exactly that aren't big names. But our big players go to the outfield. What a baseball name. Shed Long. Shed Long. Yeah, I like that name. You go to the outfield, it's Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, Taylor Trammell, uh, Jake Fraley. Um, I'm going to be honest, Taylor Trammell and Jake Fraley I don't know a whole lot about. So, you know, that's that's what it is. But then you go to the, the uh, rotation, the, the staff. Justice Sheffield is a big name. James Paxton, Rafael Montero. Nick Martavikas, uh, Yusai Kikuchi, Kendall Raymond. <laughs> so they're uh, Ken Giles. Is oh, Kikuchi. Yes, Ken Giles is with the Mariners. So they've got a pretty good staff that can, you know, win the ball games. But yeah. I think that lineup is going to what's going to be able to put them at number two yeah. um, over the A's. Uh, talking about Justin Verlander, on March seventeenth, he threw his first ball since Tommy John. Oh, that's right. Uh, September 30th, he had Tommy John. March 17th, uh, about a week, two weeks ago, he threw his first ball. So, not even from a mound, just toss. Yeah. So, he'll, he'll, you know, all-star break, I would say, maybe, if that. So, 
That's your Verlander update. <laughs> okay. All right, so my number three, uh, the Oakland Athletics I have at number three, where you have them on number two, um, me at number three. And, and, again, it's just, I think, because of uh, the lineup where the Mariners have have those guys in the middle of the lineup in, in the infield. I just don't see see that in Oakland. Um Elvis Andres, Matt Chapman, Tony Kemp, Matt Olson, and Mitch Moreland. It's a pretty darn good lineup, not gonna lie. Matt Chapman is a really good third baseman. Matt too. Chapman and uh Matt Olson can hit the lights out of the baseball. Yeah. Um they're really good uh players, not just you know, home run hitters. Uh, they can go gap to gap as well. You go to the outfield, Mark Canna, Ramon Lariano, and Stephen Piscotti. Um, so it's a good lineup. Mm. I just think I just I just think there's something different about that Mariners ball club, um, that lineup, um, their their mentality that's gonna um, put them over the top to go to at least second in the division. Um, the A's pitching staff I think is a lot better than the Mariners pitching staff. Not gonna lie. Um, but I just think, in my again in my mind, I think that's where the Mariners are uh, versus the Athletics. I have the Rangers number three. Number three, okay. Yes. I just I don't know. I I see them. They brought in Chris Davis, who's I don't know. He he's gonna bat two fifty, but he's gonna get you a lot of home runs, and they've got. Uh, Joey Gallo is going to get you a lot of home runs, and uh, I believe they still have Mike Miner. I could be wrong, but he threw really well the past two years, uh, and if he can continue to do that, I think he can. I think they can be good enough for third. Is what I'm saying. I don't see Mike Miner on the roster. You know where he might have went, but do you know? Royals. You know, yeah, I think it is where he went. But do you know what other Mike they have? Fulton Evich. Yes. I knew that. <laughs> uh, and he's going to end up doing good because we Probably. got rid of him. Probably. Uh, That's usually how it works. Yeah. He's got long hair now. He's trying to be like Thor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have the Rangers third. and I just, I don't know. I feel like they're sort of on the come up a little bit I'm trying to do something. Uh, I think that they could make... Uh, Maybe a couple moves at the All-Star break to sort of help them into that third spot. Or or they'd probably be trying to get into that second or first spot, but they'll ultimately not. They won't be able to get it done enough. But, yeah, I see them at three. You got number four. Mariners. Mariners number four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got the Angels last. Sorry, Mike Trout, but. Who? Why are you seeing the Mariners at four? Just because of the way everything else pans out? Yeah, that's about how it went. Was just the way everything else panned out for me. Uh, I think the Mariners could be good, and they could definitely prove me wrong. I'm not saying that I dislike them. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't, yeah. You know. I have. The Do they still have Malik Smith? Who? Where? Malik Smith, the Mariners. No, they do not. Where did he go? He, I think he went to the Rays at one point, but I'm not sure where he is now. Um, 
Number four for me, I have the Angels, who again you have the Rangers last. Yes, I do. Man, um, we are very different. I this. think this is honestly the first one that we're really different. Um, but yeah, um, I just don't see anything exciting about this Angels ball club. Mm-mm. Same thing with the Rangers, in my opinion. But. Um, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, their pitching staff is just not, nothing pops out at you. Nothing. Malik Smith is playing for the Mariners. Really? Yep. Oh, I didn't see him on the roster. Oh, whoa. wait. Hold up. He actually, sorry, my bad. Oh, yeah. It said Mariners on his Wikipedia thing, but evidently he's, Newly a New York Met. Oh, wow. But, anyways. Um, yeah, there's pitching staff outside of Shohei Otani is nothing special. You go to their lineup. They do have Kurt Suzuki, so that's good for them. Mm. It's good for Kurt, obviously. Um, outside of Anthony Rendon and Albert Pujols and Mike Trout, obviously. Not mm. a lot there. Um so that's why I have him fourth and then fifth. Mike Trout needs to go somewhere. Trade Mike Trout. Please. Um, and then fifth, the the Texas Rangers. Um, again. The Angels could actually – they could probably start to try and be number one in the division if they traded Mike Trout because you could get so much for Mike Trout. That's very true. Um, yeah. Probably the best player of all time. This Rangers lineup is the outside of Joey Gallo, Chris Davis, Willie Calhoun. Um, is really lacking. Just really, Brock Holt's a decent player. Mm. Rugnetto Door is a decent player when he's not getting hit in the face, or excuse me, when he's hitting. Yeah, when hitting. he's not when he's not hitting Jose Bautista in the face. Um, Odor's crazy. To be that small and to be the type of hitter he is. He is 5'11". Yeah. And he is a home run hitter. Yeah. He's going to hit mid-200s, 240 probably, and then he's going to hit you 40 bombs. I don't know about that many. I'd say 25-30. But, again, from that from that position on the infield, yeah, 25-30 bombs is a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, again... When you're only hitting 235, 240, you know, what's it matter when you're striking out that lot, that mm-hmm. much? All right, so that's who we have in the AOS. Moving on to the National League. Um, I'll go ahead and start her off again in the National League. Um, this is probably one of the easiest ones um, as far as number one goes, not the number one slot, uh, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-hmm. They they've loaded up once again this offseason with with Trevor Bauer uh, and re-signing uh, Justin Turner. Um, this is one of the best lineups in the game to go along with one of the best rotations in the game. Um, I hate to say it because it's the Dodgers, but it, that's where we're at. Yeah, I have the Giants number one. I'm just kidding. I got the Dodgers. There's no. I mean, when you've got Will Smith. Gavin Lux, Max Muncy, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, A.J. Pollock. 
Yeah. Uh, That's freaking insane. To go with a rotation of Julio Urias, in no order, Julio Urias, David Price, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Trevor Bauer, and Walker Buehler. Yeah. And Dustin May. Yeah. So one of those guys is in the bullpen. Um, May. Yeah, probably. Yeah, May, May. Yeah. May, May, May. Me, 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 me. Um, so yeah, that, I, I thought easy. long and hard about the Padres, like, oh, maybe they could, and I, I just, the Dodgers are too good, and the Padres are, like I said, they're young to each other, they're, they're new to each other, and it, they're gonna have to take a minute to. The Padres are. Yeah, I mean, well, they did. They, they, they added that. a lot. They did do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. It may take them a little bit, you know, at two, two, two and a half months. To yeah, get the I'm grooves. not saying it's gonna hurt them in the long run. Yeah, but. I got you. That's fair. Um, so yeah, who do you have number two? Uh, the Giants. No, I got the Padres, homie. The Padres are gonna be number two. Uh, yeah, I think this team is gonna get that one of those uh, wild card spots. In yeah. the National League. I, th- I think it'll be Dodgers and Padres at the top, and the rest of the division won't even be close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and unlike the AL West, I think the NL West is going to be decided on, on pitching, um, in my opinion. Um, you've got, for the Padres, Hugh Darvish, uh, Denilson Lamette, Chris Paddock. Joe, does Joe Musgrove start, or is he a reliever? I think he starts. I think he starts too. You got Blake Snell as well, Matt Strom. I mean, those those that's a freaking good rotation, man. Yeah, it is. Um, to go along with the Dodgers rotation, and then you've got uh, Austin Nola, Jake Cronenworth, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Will Myers, Tommy Pham, Jerickson Profar. Nola is Aaron Nola's brother. Yes. That's a, they both went to LSU. Huh? That's a solid one through eight. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, that's what they could eat. I think they could win the division. Mm-hmm. I don't see them doing it, but. If look, if I had to put a bet on it, I would this, bet the Dodgers. If this team was assembled last year, yeah. They would be the odds on favorite to win the World Series. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's who we have number one and two. I think we might get a little bit different here, three through three, four, and five. But why three, have you looked at mine? No, I have not. Okay, good. I'm just, just thinking. But for number three, I have the D backs. Yeah, I have the Diamondbacks as well. <laughs> so, um, so we're so we're actually going to be the exact same now. Yeah. Um, I mean, for so much difference in the AL, we're going to be the exact same in the NL. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, the Diamondbacks with them have it getting mad bum. To I think just sort of solidified it, even though he only plays every fifth day. It yeah. sort of solidified them in that third spot for me because I don't see really the Rockies or the Giants having that. Right, and you know with the Dodgers and Padres having such good rotations, you look at this one; it's just a bit of a step down from you know Mad Bum, Luke Weaver, Zach Gallen, Yon Lopez. And um, one more starter that I'm not seeing here. Um, 
But, you know, you look at that rotation, that's just a step down mm. um, from the Dodgers and Padres. And then the same thing uh, with the lineup there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We might somewhat differ on our four and five because... Well, who do you have number four? Well, I have the Rockies. I have the Rockies as well. Okay, okay. So now I don't <laughs> feel as bad. I was sort of sitting here thinking about the Giants, and I was like, man, the Giants could be the team to sort of beat some people this year. Not really do anything, but they could sneak into that fourth spot. Right. Uh, but I think, like say, we talked uh, the Rockies with, at least they have Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman still. Yeah. And they have a couple decent pitchers, you know, they're going to be able to win some games. And really, the Giants are still rebuilding. Yeah, they have Yancey Almonte, Kyle Freeland, John uh, John Gray, Chichi Gonzalez, Michael Givens, Herman Marquez. So they've got a decent staff there, uh, pitching-wise. I like old German. And then you've got Garrett Hampson. Um, out in, on the infield as well, yeah. who can get on base any any day of the week. He rolls rolls out of bed and hits two eighty five, yeah, um, or or more. So it, and then he's fast as lightning too. Exactly. So it'll be interesting to see this uh, Rockies team without Nolan Arenado. Um, but again, it's not the Padres, and it's I don't think it's the D backs, um, and I don't think that. Uh, that chemistry is going to be that pop anyway from that lineup is going to be there without Nolan Arenado. Um, and then lastly, we go to the Giants. Um, what can you say about the Giants that hadn't already been said to this point um, after or during this rebuild? I guess mm-hmm. you know. I mean, again, Brandon Bell and Brandon Crawford. After that, Yastrzemski. You've got Evan Longoria as well. So it's a weird mix of old veterans that are past their prime, and then young guys, right? Yeah. Because I would, I would, I would argue that Belt, Crawford, and Longoria are old and out of their prime. Yeah. Okay. As well as Buster Posey, Mm -hmm. he's out of his prime. Um, And then you've got heck, he's basically playing. He's a first baseman. Yeah. And then you've got Yastrzemski. Alex Dickerson is somewhat young. Actually, he's the same age as Yastrzemski, so he's young. <laughs> um, Yastrzemski's 26 now, which, I mean, is youngish, but... He was born in 1990, so that's six years... Before 23. Six years older than us. Yeah, so he's 29. Yeah, okay. But, yes, they're, like, they're still young in the league. Yeah. Um both of them, and then the rotation isn't nearly what the Rockies or the D-backs have. Um, Aaron Sanchez, Matt Whistler, Johnny Cueto, Kevin Gosman, Juan Di Peralta, Jose Alvarez, Di Scalfani. It's not, it's not a lot. No. With Alex Wood also. From what I'm seeing from the Giants, they have some names. They are recognizable, but they're... They're not gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. They're just like you said, past their prime. You're gonna get them, but not them. 
you know? Yeah. Even like Johnny Cueto, you know? That's a big name that people know, but... Past prime. Yeah. Yeah. So, that is our final um, division standing prediction for uh, the 2021 MLB season. To recap, we have... Uh, I have in the AL West the Astros at number one, Mariners two, Athletics three, Angels four, and Rangers five. And I have the Astros one, Athletics two, the Rangers three, the Mariners four, and Angels five. And for the NL West, we both had the same exact uh, standings. Call it out, Joe. The Dodgers, number one, Padres, two, Diamondbacks, three, Rockies, four, and Giants, five. And this will definitely be something that we go back and look at during the All-Star break, and then hopefully at the end of the season, we can go back and look at these and see you know, how far uh, we were off, or hope preferably how you know how we were right. How close <laughs> we were. Uh, I think I'm going to be spot on on every single one of them. You think so? Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Would you like to bet on that? <laughs> yeah, I'll bet 50 cents. Okay, gotcha. That's how confident I am. Well, I mean, 50, 50 cents at 1,000 to 1 odds for me, that's not bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All righty then. Um, keep on the lookout for for our next episode. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to hype up our, our, uh, our two NFL draft episodes a lot. I've got – we both have – excuse me, a lot um, coming during those two episodes. Um, In the future, NFL Draft, April 29th, going to be out before that, so hopefully we can get those to you. When is the uh, Combine? Are they doing the Combine? They're not there this year. They're doing the Combine. Uh, I was like, they should have already had it, but... It's all pro days. Speaking of which, uh, old Justin Fields ran a 4-4-4. I did see that. Yeah. Which is crazy. Man is an absolute athlete. Yeah. But, anyways. So that's all we got here for you today in the bullpen. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Be on the lookout um, for our next episode to be able to uh, give us a listen. Thank you all for tuning in to the bullpen, and we'll see you next time on Views from the Bullpen.